Welcome to our Rock City Church podcast. We are so excited to have you join us. Our desire is that you would listen with expectancy for what God wants to do in your life. We pray that you would encounter the mighty love of the Father and that you would be fired up for the more that He has for you. So um, to preface, I'm just going to say, I brought my family here with me today. You guys stand up real quick. Turn around and wave everybody. Yes, we brought our family plus two more that we claim as ours. Um, so I, I have spent the last several years ministering in kids' church. So that is my preaching experience, <laughs> aside from a few, you know, preaching in front of adults. So bear with me. My style is a little bit different, and I'm still learning. I'm still practicing, right? So um, I'm going to give my disclaimer right there. <laughs> but um, so as I said, I have three children. Uh, one daughter and two sons. And my boys, they really love sports. Do I have any sports fans in the room? Yeah. Okay, all right. Less than I thought would be. <laughs> What's the big sport here in Texas? Football? You got the Dallas Cowboys nearby, right? Okay, all right. <laughs> They're shouting out the fans. The Dolphins, okay, you're Miami fan, right? So being that my husband is from Brazil... All right, yeah. Do we have any Brazilians here in the room? No? What's up, Corpus Christi? We need some Brazilians here. We got to represent. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, we'll pray about that. <laughs> Bring some Brazilians in, right? But here's the thing. So in Brazil, the big sport is soccer, right? Football, football brasileiro. So my kids are into soccer. That is their big thing. We've, we've been in all kinds of sports, right? So um, we've done cheerleading, basketball. My son's in dive. Uh, and, and the biggest one, of course, I said, is soccer. So my boys have played for several years. Ever since my young one could run, he wanted to play soccer. That's all he could think about. How to kick the ball. It was like when the ball was almost as big as him. So, <laughs> so we've done it. We've we sat through the games. We've been through the practices. We bought the, the cleats, the name brand, the Neymar. We all know who Neymar is if you're a soccer fan, right? Okay, so we've, we've bought the uniforms, the practice uniforms the practice gear. Gosh, anybody else have kids in sports and you feel like you're paying constantly and they have to have something new all the time, right? It's never ending. We have the team sticker to put on the van, you know, soccer mom. Yeah, I'm a soccer mom. That's right. We represent. So um, the whole shebang, we are all in. Am I right, guys? We're all in. So that's how it is. That's what we do because we're parents, right? We encourage their dreams. We see that they have a talent in something and we help them hone those skills. We pay the money to get them trained so they can learn to do it better, right? We show up. We even learn the game ourselves so we can help them improve when the coach is not around, okay? Now, I'll admit, I'm still working on that, learning the game. For When, when I was in high school, I was a cheerleader and we didn't have football at Victory in Tulsa. We had soccer, so we cheered for soccer. <laughs> it's unusual. So I learned enough about the sport to know when to shout and when to, you know, oh, that was bad. But um, as a soccer mom, now I'm learning all those things. I still don't understand offsides. I mean, they've tried to explain it to me. We'll get there one day. So um, I have my little, my little soccer dude here. Landon, come on up. Come on up, Bubba. This is my young one, Landon. And, and his dream is to play like Neymar one day. He wants to be a pro soccer player. All right, so, so through the years, we have been to all the games, sat in the fields, we've done the trainings. And I thought, what better way but to demonstrate part of what that takes, right? So he's going to do a trick for you guys today. What's this, this the rainbow? The what? Sombrero flick. That sounds okay in Spanish. All right, do it for us, Landon. Should stay out of the way. All right, that was a good one. It was not that good. He said it was not that good, right? He hasn't had much practice. Do it again, Bob. Do it again. Ah, oh, there you go. Over the head and down the front, right? Landon, how long has it taken you to learn that trick? Two years. Two years. He has been practicing nonstop. Thanks, Bubba. Good job. You can take a seat. <laughs> right? Well done, Bub. He's been practicing two years to learn that trick. 
He's watched videos after videos. He's trained with different trainers and pro soccer Brazilian players to learn the things that he wants to do because that's his dream, right? He's going to fight for it. He's going to work hard for it. So um, with any sport, there's a process of preparation before they can actually get on the field and play the game. We don't just get out there and run around and woohoo, we're going to win, right? It doesn't work that way. So they, they go to the tryouts. They play in front of the coaches and they see how they're doing. Once they're chosen for the team, they're assigned to a team with a specific coach. They get their uniforms and then they begin to learn the rules of the game, right? The coach will teach them the technique and the skills. He'll have them commit to practice so they spend time getting to know their teammates, getting to know the exercises they need to do to grow their skill. They learn the rules of conduct because that's important, right? If you show poor sportsmanship, I don't know about football, but in soccer, you get a yellow card or a red card, you get kicked out of the game. And you don't want that to happen to your team, right? You get penalized. So even if the other team plays dirty, guess what? We're not allowed to do that, right? Our team's got to play with honor. You got to show honor to your team and your teammates and represent well. Okay, I'm going somewhere with this. Hang with me, guys. They have to learn the boundary lines of the field, right? There's lines marked on the field. If they try to go out or kick the ball out, guess what? They start over. The ball goes to the other team. They have to learn how to communicate with each other. And they learn to hear their coach's voice and understand his directions, right? So finally, they get to compete in the games. They arrive at the field. They're feeling the energy. They got their full kit on, their cleats, their jersey with the team emblem on it, their, their shorts with their number, right? Their name on the back. And they're representing well, right? Can't forget those shin guards. They got to have their equipment, their protection, right? We got to be covered. I know in football, you have different gear. We won't talk about here. So um, you got you to gotta cover yourself. You got to be protected. So it's against the rules to play without your equipment, right? Of course, they got to have their cleats so that they can run properly and not slip all over the field. So as parents, we're prepared. We pack the cooler We've got our, our, our snacks and the Gatorade. We've got to hydrate. We've got to stay prepared. We've got to get us through the day, right? Because I, I know we go through tournaments. You're talking four, five, six games a weekend. Huh? And lots of coffee. Yes, yes, my husband said it. Lots of coffee. They can be some long days. You're sitting through cold weather. You're sitting through hot sun. We're, we're in Pensacola. We get, we get hot Gulf Coast weather like you guys do, right? So we're there. We're cheering them on. We're representing. They get out there. They size up the other team. They're checking them out. Well, they got some tall players, right? But he doesn't look as fast as so-and-so on our team. We got this. And their defense doesn't look like they're so tight, right? They got a kicker, but that kicker's not so good. And their goalie, eh, I don't know. He's pretty good. We're going to have to try hard. They're sizing up the competition, Okay. They're the contenders, so we've got to know what we've got up against. They huddle together with their coach for the pregame plan, and the coach tells them what, exactly what he wants them to do. Who's playing what position? Now listen, this is very important. Am I right, Landon? Caleb, you've got to know what position you're playing, right? Because otherwise, you're going to be all up in your other teammate's space, and you're going to leave holes open for the other team to get through. And then before you know it, they've scored the goal because somebody wasn't in their position. You've got to know what your position is. So the coach encourages them and he reminds them, listen, go enjoy the game, right? Have fun with it. This is the sport you love. This is what we do, right? Win, yeah, but enjoy the game. We're going to do great. Play like a team. Communicate, know each other, right? They take their position and the whistle blows. It's game on. And they battle to the finish. And the goal is to obliterate the other team, right? That's the goal. They want to walk away, not just like winning by one point. That's not enough. They want to obliterate the other team. So why would I take the time to tell you guys about soccer this morning, right? Well, I believe there's something that we could all learn about how God tells us to live, about how he's called us to operate in the body. We're called and we're chosen Right? We didn't have to try out for this, but God handpicked and chose us 
to represent him. We're created in his image. We bear the mark of the body of Christ on us, right? You hear me? We're called to achieve his purpose that he set out for us already. And we can't go about it half-hearted. We can't go about it unprepared and unequipped. We can't show up to battle with nothing prepared. You with me? There is no neutral ground. When you show up, you're either on the team or you're not in the game at all, right? So I want to share with you guys a personal experience that I had a few months ago and I was talking to God about something and I was just kind of complaining to him. Anybody else have those conversations with God? You're just like, oh, God, why? Why is this situation still happening? Why have things not changed? And as I'm complaining to God, he speaks to me loud and clear. He said, well, stop complaining and start contending. And I went, okay, Lord, stop complaining, start contending. Okay, contending. I'm sorry, God. Okay, I repent. So what am I contending for? I mean, I know there are certain things in our Christian faith we contend for. We contend to remain in Christ, know who he is. There's so much that we can contend for. But God began to speak to me about our identity as his people. We're called to be his, ch- his children, his chosen. And I realized there, there are a lot of people in the body of Christ. And I don't know about you guys, but we've had a huge influx of new people in this past year since, since COVID and everything that's been happening. People are now like hungry. Like they need hope. They want to know something that's bigger than all the situations that are happening in the world around them, right? And there are a lot of people who just don't know who we're called to be. They've come into the church and they hear the teaching, but they don't have the revelation of who we are, who they are as children of God. Now listen, you can't contend without understanding of who you are and whose you are. And one of the biggest problems in America is identity confusion, right? We look around anywhere from the little children up to the adults. Satan has come to attack identity. And I've seen that culture creep into the churches. Am I right? Have you guys witnessed it? And the churches around us, we've become neutralized a little bit. The American church. We've got kids up to adult. They just don't know who they're supposed to be. They question, am I, am I a male or female? Do I even know what I want to be, who I want to be with? The truth is that that shouldn't even be a question. God created you to be a certain way. He gave you what you need to function in that identity. And that is how you function, right? Amen. Let's just establish that. <laughs> There's no question in that in Christ. He identified us already. He called us his sons and daughters. But how can a young girl understand that she's a daughter of God if she doesn't even understand what it means to be a girl? And, and why femininity is important to God. Or for a young man, why it's important to understand God made you to be a man and this is what it means to grow up and be a man in God's image. That's why Satan's trying to attack masculinity and femininity in the earth because he, he can break it down in the church. He's one. So I complained to God again. God, they don't even know who they're supposed to be. How are they going to contend? And he said to me, if they don't know who they're supposed to be as a body of Christ, as a son and a daughter, it's because you've been weak in your demonstration. If the kids don't know who they're supposed to be, it's because we've been weak in our demonstration. If my children don't know their identity in Christ, it's because I've been weak in my demonstration. Man, that hit me hard. And I had to repent, say, God, that's the last thing I want to do is be weak in demonstrating who you are. Right? We're made in his image. How can they not see him in us unless we don't demonstrate it? He wasn't just speaking this to me. He's speaking it to his body. 
It's time that we know who we are and we demonstrate who he is in us for the world to see. If they still have a question, it's because the church is weak in our demonstration. How many of y'all feel that today? Did that hit home? It hit home. Jesus said we're supposed to do the works that he did, but even greater. And he didn't just teach those works. He demonstrated those works. So he had his teaching time with his disciples, but then when they went out, Jesus said, okay, here we go. This is how we do this. Pay attention, guys. We heal the sick. We cast out demons. We raise the dead. We see God do miracles and signs and wonders. That's a part of who he is. He demonstrated it all, right? He taught them how to live in the fruit of the spirit of God that was on the inside of him. Right? Jesus said, I don't do anything that I don't see my father do. I don't say anything that I don't hear my father speak. And so he spoke it and he did it in front of the people so they could see who God was. Amen? Amen. So Jesus defined, hey, this is what normal is supposed to be. Yes, I am man and God is in me, but guess what? When I leave, I'm going to send my spirit to be in you. And the same things that I've done, you will do. Right? So the problem is, we forget what's normal. We forget he's in us. And if he's in us, we should be demonstrating his life and his power in us. And I think the problem with the majority of the American church is that we have too much teaching and not enough demonstration. Right? I know Rock City may be different because I know Pastor David is not afraid. He's not afraid to go there in the supernatural, right? But as a whole, the church has too much teaching and not enough demonstration. And it leaves people full with a head, a head full of knowledge, but without the experience to back it up. Right? So that means the generation next behind us is sitting there going, well, I've heard it said, but I've not seen it. So show me and I'll believe it. Am I right, guys? Show me and I'll believe it, but I have yet to see it. You keep talking. Show me something. Show me something. So let me tell you something. If you're a woman, where are my ladies at in the house? Come on, yeah. If you are a woman, God has uniquely empowered you with a feminine anointing. Amen? You're not created to work like a man, talk like a man, teach or preach like a man. That's not how God created you to be. There's a feminine fire that God wants to release over his women. Come on. Come on. Come on, ladies. If you want the feminine fire of God to come upon you, just ask him for it. He's here today. He's here to do it. Mamas, your daughters will not know how to be godly mothers, godly wives, businesswomen, leaders. They won't know if we don't live in our feminine anointing. All right? How many women feel conviction in that this morning? If we don't live in that feminine anointing, we can't expect them to know how to grow up and be in it. They won't know what normal spiritual woman is supposed to look like. And if you don't have a woman like that in your circle of influence, guess what? Pray for that. God, send some godly women so that I can have an example. And then guess what? If you still don't get one, become it. It's God's spirit in you that does it anyways. There are some things that people can teach you, but there are certain things you have to catch by the Spirit of God transforming you from the inside out. Amen? But guess what? Men, it's for you too. If you don't walk in the masculine anointing and the fire of God that comes upon you, your sons won't know how to do this thing. They won't know how to grow up and be a godly husband and leader a businessman who acts under the anointing of God, even when he does business, that God shows up in the middle of a business transaction. Am I right, honey? My husband is an amazing man. He's very talented. 
He is anointed for business. Let me tell you, from the age of seven, he's a salesman. He could sell you, I don't know, leather jackets in the middle of the hot summer in Florida, right? (laughs) Because that's something that God's anointed him to do. But guess what? He's not just about business. Yeah, God's blessed him to make money, but every time he's in a transaction, he's a realtor, God opens up an opportunity for him to speak life into somebody. He just had a a client that came to him through a referral. This young woman is, um, she's a homosexual, just came out of a rough relationship. And he's opening the door to show her this house and she just breaks down into tears. And he's like, "Uh, are you okay? (laughs) Do you need a minute? She goes, no, I just, she begins to open up to him. Just came out of this relationship. I don't know what to do. I feel so this and that. And he goes, you know, can I pray for you? In that moment, her heart was so open. And through the business transaction, he began to minister to her. And we're believing for this young woman's salvation. So let me tell you, never overlook an opportunity to function in the anointing that God has placed on your life. It's who we are, guys. It's not a function that we do in this building. It's who we are. So it happens no matter where we are. Amen? So listen, there, there's boundaries for our contending as well. You're not supposed to get into every fight. You heard the phrase, you got to choose your battles wisely, right? We're not supposed to go and pick every fight. I'm anointed to contend in the area that God has revealed to me to contend for. I'm anointed to contend for my children and their futures. I'm anointed to contend for women who are called into ministry but are bound up in intimidation and fear. I'm anointed for those things. So I know that I'm supposed to contend in those areas. Ask God, where, where are my boundaries? Where am I supposed to contend? You can't fight where God's not talking to you, where he's not revealing things to you, where he's not leading you. I'll forewarn you, you're going to hear some prophet Kevinisms. I am my father's daughter. So uh, we, we have our ministry times. Hey, dad. <laughs> um. You can't fight where God's not talking to you, where he hasn't already revealed things to you. And God will give you continual information in the area that he's called you to contend. If God's been speaking to you about something nonstop, don't take it lightly, right? It's for a purpose. Take note, seek him about it. Ask him what to do about it. Take action, right? I asked God in that moment was God was speaking to me about these things. God, man, forgive me. Forgive me for not demonstrating more who you are. And I'll be honest, where I was in in my church, in my home, I was tired. It's been weird, right? Coming, I don't know about you guys, but we were not in normal church for a little while. Coming back from COVID and people aren't ready to to volunteer yet. and, And we help lead a ministry. It's just our two families working the kids ministry right now because nobody else wants to step in yet. People have not got back to their positions yet. And there's holes in the team. And here's the thing, we can't let the enemy infiltrate. So what do we do? We are contending for that. We're fighting for that, but I had had become tired. I, I was starting to feel a little burnout. And so that's why God was speaking to me like, hey, you can't not demonstrate who I am. Like there, there is no neutral. You either be it or I can't use you. I can't use you. So here's what God said to me very clearly. He said, let me, let me make it clear to you, Cherish. If you do not contend, you will conform. If you do not contend for the identity that God has called you into, you will conform to what the world is telling you you're supposed to be. If you don't contend for the faith, for the promises, my brother Lee and I were having a conversation about this yesterday. If we don't contend for it, we can't just say it and it's going to happen. No, God said you have to, faith without works is dead, right? We've got to contend for that or we're going to wind up conforming to whatever else the enemy has planned for us. And believe me, he has a plan. 
what did he say? They had, the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And so we either follow God's plan and we contend for that faith and that purpose, or we're going to fall into what the enemy has, right? There's no neutral. You're either the contender or you're the defeated. You're either the liberator or you're the captive. I don't want to be a captive. God's called me to be a liberator, so I'm going to contend for that. How many liberators? You know God's called you to set captives free. So contend for it. Sometimes you've got to contend for your own freedom first because you can't set others free when you're bound. Amen? You're either playing for the team or you're benefiting the opposition. I mean, I've watched a few games where, where these kids are young, but they're old enough they've been playing for a while. And every great once in a while, you've got one player on a team that makes a kick or, or goes to try and block the ball and he scores it into the other team's goal, right? He scores a goal for the other team. And what does the whole team go? Oh, man, what did you just do? And of course, that player himself is kicking himself. He's upset, right? Because if we're not careful, we'll wind up scoring one for the enemy. If we're not contending and paying attention and on guard and communicating with the ones God's assigned on our team, we'll wind up scoring for the enemy. Come on, somebody. <laughs> we have to actively contend, right? If you're not fighting, it means you've already been captured. You know where that came from, right? <laughs> Kevinisms. If you're not fighting, say somebody, if you're not fighting, it means you're already captured. Look at somebody and say, are you captured? Mm, come on. Let God identify it. So I began to study in the word about contending. I began to seek God. God, show me more about this. You know, I understand we fight for the faith, but how does this work? I, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a question. I'm a planner. I want to understand the how-to. So I'm asking God, how, how do we do this? What does it mean to contend? So I looked it up. It means to strive in contest or rivalry, to struggle against difficulties or opposition, or to argue like in a debate or as a contender for the championship. So how many of you realize we are contenders? All of us. That's what we're called to be in the body of Christ, right? We are called to battle. We're in a battle. It's not just a game. We're in a real battle. Turn to somebody and say, if you don't contend, you will conform. Now, the definition of conform is to behave according to socially acceptable conventions or standards. Now, I don't know about you, but I've gotten really tired of that phrase, socially acceptable. Mm-hmm. Right? Because who's defining the socially acceptable now? Not by God's standards. We don't want to conform to that. It means to be similar in form or type or to agree. So if we're not contending against the plots of the enemy and against the lies of identity that the enemy is trying to put, we are in agreement with it. Let me say that again. If you are not contending against the plans of the enemy, against the body of Christ, you are agreeing with it. Again, there is no neutral ground. You're either contending or you're agreeing. Your silence is agreement. Your silence is conformity. We don't have time to be silent anymore, church. Look at somebody say, if you don't contend you will conform. I certainly don't want to conform to anything but God's purpose, especially what the culture around us is trying to indoctrinate into our children. We have to know who we are. We have to know our place, our position in Christ and contend for the faith that is ours. And you know, God told me again, he said, look at your kids. He said, Cherish, if you don't contend, they will conform. No, I haven't lived my life for Christ to see my kids conform to the world. I refuse. 
I will fight for their freedom in Christ. I will fight for them to know their identity in God. How many parents do I have in the room that will say, I will contend? Come on, shout it out. Say, I will contend. So they don't conform. Come on, your children are in the room next door. They're learning about God. But when they come home, if they don't see that identity and they don't see that purpose demonstrated in you, do you think they're going to learn how to contend? So then what's the other option? They'll conform. It's on us, parents. I feel the weight of that, guys. If you don't contend, they will conform. So let's put this into perspective. Back to my sports analogy here. If we know that we're going to compete in a game, we don't show up unprepared, right? You've got to make sure you have your equipment. You know your info. You know the rules. Your attitude and your mindset is set to win, right? Everybody has their methods before the game to pump themselves up, whether it's like their favorite song or they do their warm-ups and they get their minds all into it, right? Before everything starts. How do we do that in the spirit? How do we do that? Somebody said it. We pray in the spirit. We stir up the Holy Spirit on the inside of us. You can't go into battle complacent and unprepared. No one wants to be on the team who fails because they didn't practice or learn the plays or make sure they have the right equipment. And guess what? Sometimes if you, your team shows up without a right, the right equipment, they're just disqualified. They don't even get to participate. You have to be prepared. The whole team suffers. And the reputation of that team suffers too. Do you hear where I'm going? If I asked my son, Caleb, who is in a public high school right now, hey, Caleb, you should invite some of your friends to church. Come invite them. Let them, let them see what we do and who we are. I'm not sure that Caleb would be like, yeah, let's do that. Let's invite some of my friends. There's not a whole lot of Christian kids. He's shaking his head no. There's not a whole lot of Christian kids at his school. But guess what? What they do understand of Christianity and church is not good. They've not seen it demonstrated like it's supposed to be. And so when we try to talk to them about church, about the body of Christ, about knowing Jesus, they're kind of like, eh, I've seen some of that. Y'all gave yourself a bad reputation. Don't want any of it. Whose fault is that, guys? Whose fault is it? Look at your neighbor. Say, if you don't contend, they will conform. It's our fault, guys. We have to be a committed contender. So how do we do that, guys? God's given us a rule book. He's given us the game plan. He gave us his instructions, right? He told us how to stay equipped. How many of you read your Bibles? Okay. How many of you say you read your Bibles every day? Okay. See, that is our our best piece of equipment right there. (laughs) The word of God. You can't know God without his word. You can't know how he wants us to live without his word. If we're not filling ourselves up with his word, we are ill-equipped. We are not prepared. Ephesians 6, right? How many of you know what's in Ephesians 6? He talks about the armor of God right? I'm not going to go through the whole thing. I know. Tell me if I'm running long, Pastor David. But he says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so you can take your stand against the devil's schemes, right? For our struggle is not against what? Our struggle is not against flesh and blood. But it's against authorities, against powers of this dark world and the spiritual forces of the evil in the heavenly realms. We can't fight the government with intellect. We can't fight the world system with our intellect and our education. 
We have to understand there's a demonic spirit operating behind that world system. And we've got to operate in the spirit to come against it and bring it down. Amen? Amen. We're not fighting flesh and blood. We're fighting demonic principalities. So therefore, if you're in the battle, you've got to put on what? The full armor of God. So that why? Why do we need that armor? When the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. You can't even be a contender without an armor. And after you have done everything to stand, remember our fight isn't even with the culture of this world. It's not with the people who think differently than us. That's why racism isn't a natural thing. It's a spiritual thing. It's not about the person. It's not about the appearance. It's demonic. And we have to come against it by the spirit. That's why gender confusion, identity issues is not a natural thing. It's a spiritual thing and we have to come against it by the Spirit. We have to come against the kingdom of darkness that is operating behind those. Understand that your weapons are in the Spirit. They're not by the flesh. Right? No debate is going to diffuse the plans of the enemy against the body of Christ. We've got to pray it through in the Spirit. We've got to act and demonstrate who we're supposed to be. Amen? So I'm going to touch just real quickly. One of the things that I think are the biggest battles for Christians, I would say, is, is our, our own soul. Am I right? Uh, my dad broke it down on Wednesday night. He talked about we are, we are a soul. We live in a body. We have a spirit, right? We are a spirit. I'm sorry. We are a spirit. We have a soul. We live in a body. I'm going to get it right. Um, and so we have to understand our soul has to submit to the purpose of God. It has to submit to the Spirit of God. Otherwise, our soul can be deceptive. Our mind, our will, our emotions can play against us. I think about King David in the Bible where how many times did the Psalms start with, oh, woe is me, Lord. My enemies have come against me. You've forsaken me. It's so awful, God. I'm never going to succeed. I'm never going to win. I'm going to die here alone, alone. I mean, like David goes on and on. Am I right? But by the end of the chapter, <laughs> he's realizing, but I do know you, God. And I remember that you've done this thing before. You, you rescued me from the lions. And I was able to fight off the lions for my sheep. You used me to kill a Goliath. So I remember that you did that, God. He starts changing the script. He starts talking to his own soul and telling his soul, guess what? You're not going to determine my direction anymore. You're not going to determine how I think about things anymore. You're not going to tell me how to contend anymore. Because our soul will tell us to contend for the wrong things. Am I right? We'll contend for what we want instead of what God wants. So David starts changing the script and he speaks to his soul. And then he begins to glorify God. And he recognizes God is bigger than his enemies. God is bigger than his situation. God is bigger than the world culture. God is bigger than finances that we need fixed. God is bigger than marriage problems. God is bigger than rebellious teenagers. God is bigger than all of it. So we have to remind our soul, hey, you don't get to determine this anymore. I choose to honor God. This is my biggest place of contending sometimes, my own soul. That I have to stop and have a little conversation with my feelings and say, listen, you're not in charge. You're not in charge. I tell my kids sometimes, I, when they were little, I gave them an analogy. I was talking to Mr. Lee earlier. Um, you know, they, like, they would just get angry all of a sudden. Like when your kids are young, they don't really know how to express things and they don't get their way or someone takes their toy and it's, and the growling and the, they start to want to punch things, right? Anybody else's kids did that? Right. Sorry, guys. I don't, I didn't want to embarrass you, but listen, it's a part of the trade. Am I right, dad? You get to tell the stories. So I told my kids one day, I said, listen, this is just a little thing. Why are you so angry? You need to tell yourself to calm down. Because your anger is about to get you in more trouble than the actual situation is. You need to speak to yourself and say, all right, I need to chill right now. 
tell that anger to leave. And then God gave me like a little picture of um, them being the horse and anger riding their back and steering their direction. And who operates behind anger, jealousy, rage, confused, and doubt? The enemy, right? We cannot let him take charge. We have to contend in our own soul. Otherwise, we're letting the enemy take the reins and lead us. Right? Now, let me tell you something. Some of you have stopped doing what you know God has called you to do because you let your feelings talk you out of your purpose. I'll say it again. Some of you have stopped doing what you know God called you to do because you let your feelings talk you out of your purpose. You got offended. You were jealous. So-and-so got more honor than you, and you've been serving here a lot longer than them. I think I'm stepping on some toes. Am I stepping on toes? Let's just be honest. So we just decided to take a back seat. Who are we letting take charge at that moment? Are we being led by the Spirit of God? Are we contending for what we want instead of what God wants? You better contend. Tell somebody, if you don't contend, you will conform. And when you choose not to operate in the purpose of God, what are you conforming to? You're conforming to the flesh? You're going to live a life of bitterness and jealousy and anger. You're going to be tormented. You're going to be miserable with yourself because you're not functioning in the identity that God gave you. Come on. Who wants to live like that? We don't want to live like that. You gave up contending because you believed the lies in your head and you have not rehearsed God's truth and his promises over yourself. I mean, David learned God called David a man after his own heart. Why? I think it's because David learned how to remind himself who God is. He didn't have to remind God. Hey, God, you said you were going to do this. God, you're supposed to be mighty. No, God knows who he is. He knows what he's going to do. It's you that you have to remind. Hey, soul, shh, be quiet. God's got this. God said he's my provider. God said he's my healer. God said he's got my husband. God said he's got my kids. I am not going to let fear take me over. Come on, we have to contend. Don't let fear, don't let emotions, don't let Satan talk you out of your purpose, guys. Don't give up contending. So David turns and he praises God and he blesses the Lord. He glorifies God. And guess what? It causes panic in the enemy's camp. Right? Satan doesn't know what to do with that. If we're continuously reminding ourselves of God's goodness, Satan's lies don't gain any more airtime in our thoughts. I'm sorry, what did you say, Satan? I was too busy saying what God just did in my life. I don't even hear you trying to tell me that I'm going to be sick again or that God didn't really heal me. Come on. You've got to rehearse God's victories and don't give Satan any airtime in your thoughts. All right? Are we good? You guys good with me? I'm almost, I'm almost there. So if you want to look up how to contend or where it talks about contending in the Bible, you've got to go to the book of Jude. So if you guys want to go to Jude with me, and then we're going to, I'm going to break it down a little bit and then wrap it up. So in Jude 1, um, he introduces himself as, as Jude, a slave of Christ and a brother of James. We know that Jude was Jesus' brother, right? So cool. He's so humble. Like, I'm a slave of Christ. Jesus is my brother. He doesn't even say it. I'm a slave of Christ. So he says, I'm writing to all who have been called by God the Father. Who here in this room has been called by God the Father? Okay, so guess what? It's for you. Yes. He's writing to you. All right? So may God, oh, oh, who loves you and keeps you safe in the care of Christ. Verse two, may God give you more mercy, more peace, and more love. Lord knows we need it. Woo. Dear friends, I have been eagerly planning to write you about the salvation that we all share, 
But now I find that I must write to you about something else. Why? Urging you to defend or contend for the faith that God has entrusted once for all time to his holy people. His holy people, right? Why does he have to say this to them? Well, I was going to talk to you about salvation, but I've learned about something, so now I have to address this. I need you to contend, people. Why? Because some ungodly people have wormed their way into your churches. Saying that God's marvelous grace allows us to live immoral lives. Sound like today? At all? Some ungodly, wicked, immoral people have wormed themselves into my body and tried to convince you that my grace allows you to live however you want. And I'm not happy with it, God said. I'm not happy with it. He says, um, let me see here. Saying that God's marvelous grace allows us to live immoral lives. The condemnation of such people was recorded long ago. He's saying, God, I already warned you about these people coming. God already told us they would come, be on, be on guard, for they have denied our only master and Lord Jesus Christ. Now he's saying we must defend or fight for the faith. What does that mean, the faith? Well, it means your trust in God, right? Because how many of us know when we're, we're living in fear, are we living in trust in God? No. Sometimes that's our biggest problem. Sometimes we think we have a financial problem or we have a marriage problem when really our problem is that we don't trust God to take care of it all. So the primary part of our faith is trusting God. Second of all, believe in him. Trusting and believing are different. You got to believe, know who he is, understand that. And then third is understanding the truth about our Christian belief. Know why we believe what we believe, Right? Who is God that we believe in him in this way? Understand that our relationship with daddy God is the most valuable thing that we could possess. And he entrusted his love and his mercy to us. Us, weak humans. He entrusted it to us. Guard it at all costs. Recognize that we do have an enemy and his mission is to get us to live in darkness, to separate us from God. Contend for it, guys. Now, Romans 12, 2, right? God told me, contend, don't conform. So what does it mean to conform? Romans 12, 2 says, and do not be conformed to this world, but be what? Transformed. Okay, so don't conform, be transformed and progressively changed. And the Amplified Version says, as you mature spiritually, by the renewing of your mind. Well, how do, we renew, how do we renew our minds? How do we renew our minds, guys? Washing it with the water of the word. That's right. Read the word of God. Fill our minds, our thoughts, our hearts with the word. We renew our minds. Focusing on godly values and ethical attitudes so that you may prove yourselves. Right? When God shows up and demonstrates in us, he proves him in us. We prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect in his plan and purpose for you. Can't conform. We can't conform. So now I can tell you over the years, I've watched my boys grow and improve as they've practiced, as they played, as they listened to their coaches, they had to become teachable and understand they don't know it all. Somebody's got to teach them how to go beyond where they are in their skill, right? They've grown in relationship and how to communicate and how to work and do life with others, right? You've got to know how to work with your teammates. Some of them might be great. Some of them might be obnoxious. You've got to have grace and mercy, right? We've got to learn how to do this. That's the purpose, is to grow and become unified in Christ. How are we supposed to demonstrate a body that is one if we can't even function together in relationship with the body God's called us to? This is not just a church. It's not just a building. You guys are a body, a part of the body. O corpo de Cristo, Corpus Christi, that he's called you to. You got to learn how to have relationship with people. 
That's part of how we transform and grow. Okay, so I'm going to wrap it up. Jude reminds them the Lord delivered his people out of Egypt, but then he destroyed everyone who didn't believe. Only the remnant got to move on. God's called Rock City to be the remnant. He's called you to be those that would not conform and forget who God was. So why did those ones that they got destroyed by God, how did they come to disbelieve? Could it be they forgot who God was? They had their eyes on the circumstances. They had their eyes on what they were dealing with in the desert. Oh, it was better back in Egypt, right? They lost their faith. Jude talks about those who fell into darkness. Talks about the example of Sodom and Gomorrah and the immorality and perversion. What did we just read? Those who worm their way into the church and pervert the body of Christ. They polluted themselves and he talks about their rebellion. He calls them useless and fruitless. Ooh. Jude called those people useless and fruitless. I don't know about you, but I don't want God to show up in a room and say, "Mm, you're useless and you're fruitless because you quit contending a long time ago. If you're not producing something, if you're not helping somebody grow in Christ, you are useless and fruitless. Ouch. He called them deceitful and manipulative. He warned the people not to become like those godless sinners. Now listen, if you abandon your position and you give up contending, you become perverted and polluted. You become useless and fruitless and you become deceitful and manipulative. Now God is speaking to some of you guys today. Do not abandon your position. I don't care who you think is in your way. You do not abandon your position. You will not be useful in the kingdom of God if you give up contending and abandon your position. God's dealing with some hearts this morning. He then charges the people in verse 17 with a call to persevere. Keep fighting, keep pressing through. But you, my dear friends, you must remember what the apostles already said was going to happen. They told you in the last days there would be mockers, scoffers, whose purpose in life is to satisfy ungodly desires. Look around. That is the culture around us. That's the world. These people are the ones who are creating divisions among you, among us. They follow their natural instinct instinct because they do not have God's spirit inside them. Let me rephrase it. Because they do not have God's spirit in them, they follow their natural instincts. How many of you have God's spirit on the inside of you? So the fruit should be that you don't follow your natural instinct. You follow the spirit of God. Now he brings it down to exhort them. He says, but you, dear friends, build each other up in your most holy faith and pray in the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, how many of you know we can manipulate in our own prayers, right? We can actually perform witchcraft in our own prayers when we begin to act on our natural instinct and pray our own desires. That is why God is very specific. He said, pray in the power of the Holy Spirit. Let his words guide your prayers and await the mercy of the Lord Jesus Christ who will bring you eternal life. In this way, you will keep yourselves safe in God's love. Verse 23, and you must show mercy to those whose faith is wavering. Come on. These kids who are still trying to figure out who they're supposed to be. They're still trying to understand the faith because they haven't seen it demonstrated yet. We're to show them mercy. And here's what he says, rescue others by snatching them from the flames of judgment. Don't judge them. Rescue them from the flames of judgment and demonstrate to them how it's supposed to be. Show mercy to still others, but do so with great caution, hating the sins that contaminate their lives. Right, we're in the world, but not of it. 
Show mercy, but don't mix yourself and start acting like they act. Don't get contaminated. You can be righteous and still reach the lost. Bring them into relationship. Don't get contaminated. Now, verse 24, all glory to God who is able to keep you from falling away and will bring you with great joy into his glorious presence without a single fault. Again, it's nothing we can do on our own. We contend to stay in the spirit, to stay in the face. But guess guess who it is that keeps you strong and keeps you from falling away? It's God. It's by his power. It's by his might. It's by his spirit. And then he says, all glory to him who is alone God, our Savior through Jesus Christ our Lord. All glory, all majesty, power, and authority, all his before all time. And in the present and beyond all time, all glory to God, because he's the one who finishes the work. He's the one who transforms the heart. He's the one who demonstrates the life and that resurrection power. So you've learned today, God has called you. He's chosen you. You don't have to know right now what your infinite purpose is supposed to be, sorry. But he's already called you and he's chosen you. Know that. You can either contend for that purpose or you can conform to another. Remember who you are and whose you are. Know who you represent. You carry the life of Jesus on the inside of you. Know what you believe and demonstrate it. Don't be weak, people. Turn to somebody and say, don't be weak. The last thing God needs is weak Christians trying to demonstrate who he is. Doesn't work that way. Set your heart and line up your emotions. Rehearse God's victories so the enemy doesn't get airspace, right? Know who your enemy is. It's not flesh, right? What battle are we in? A spiritual battle. Stay equipped. Stay equipped. It's not something you do once. It's something you do daily. Stay equipped. And lastly, you're called to activate others. The next generation is waiting to see who they're supposed to be. And we're called to demonstrate it and to activate it. See, Jesus never just taught and then did. He told the disciples, okay, now you go. You go pray for this sake. Well, master, but why why aren't you coming with us? He said, no, I've shown you, I've taught you, now go and do. Turn to somebody, say, go and do. Today is the day of activation. You activate it by seeing what you're supposed to be. And you gotta see it by the Spirit. Live in the Spirit. So today, God is awakening his righteous contenders. Come on, if you're in this room, you're called to be a righteous contender, a Holy Ghost warrior. He's here to reveal his truth about who he is and who he, and he's exposing the enemy that has had you bound in his lies. He's redefining what it is to fight for the faith. And each of us have our own fight. He's challenging you to demonstrate it through your lives. You ready? He's challenging you today. Do not be weak in your demonstration. Demonstrate it through your lives so the people watching you can know the truth. I can hear the Spirit of God saying today, I'm calling all contenders. Take your position. I'm calling all contenders. Come take your position. Where are my anointed daughters? Where are my anointed sons? My Holy Ghost warriors. Calling all contenders. Come take your place. I hear the whistle blow in the spirit this morning. 
There's no neutral ground, guys. You either choose to contend for Christ or you conform to whatever the enemy has planned for you. Come on. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this message, please subscribe and share it with your friends. And if you want to partner with us in what God is doing here at Rock City, you can give by visiting our website at rockcitycorpus.com slash give.